When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to United Hour, your one-stop shop for all things Manchester United. I'm your host, Nick. And I'm Imran. And we are joined today by special guest Ali Woods. Ali Hiya. describes herself as a podcaster, comedian, ginger. That's your Twitter bio, I believe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In order of importance, obviously. Um, but uh, yeah, I thought I'd get there first. Yeah, that's, that's me. I'm uh, a full-time comedian now. I was able to leave my job last year. And uh, yeah, gigging and making sketches online and uh, got my own podcast just uh, chatting rubbish with my mate. It's good. It's called All I Do Is Fail. If you want to check that out, already get get the promo in at the top. I say don't don't give any value to the podcast. Just immediately. So go for it, go for it. And yeah, look, we will definitely be talking a lot about uh, what you're doing. I mean, I will mention, of course, that you are a Manchester United season ticket holder, aren't you? Yep, yep. Uh, South Stand since 2013. Well, actually, I was at East Stand for one season, and then uh, we moved to South by the Tunnel. I did. I did notice. She said since 2013. I was like, that's literally the worst timing of Manchester United fan. Yeah, yeah. No one can accuse the glory hunted there, can they? Like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was. I was really keen for the Moyes era. That's what I, was <laughs> I really wanted that six-year contract to work out. Um, but yeah, no. Me and my dad have that that, that discussion because we think he thinks that maybe 2013 Fergie retiring, people thought maybe end of an era. They thought, well, I've had a good time or whatever, and I, you know, might want to spend my money elsewhere. But uh, so maybe there's some became available. But um, yeah, seen ups and uh, downs, mainly downs, but uh, a bit better nowadays. No, well, exactly. Look, it's a good time to be a United fan at the moment. Um, but yeah, we've had these kind of false dawns in the past. But yeah, things are feeling pretty good. We will be talking about the Crystal Palace game. We're recording on Sunday, just about a day after. I know yourself and Imran were at the match over there. Uh, and then, yeah, we will talk a lot about the forthcoming games coming up. We've got the double header with Leeds and then Barcelona, because uh, we'll go in depth at the end of the show. But yeah, you're planning a comedy gig actually out in Barcelona on the day of the match, right? Yeah, yeah, I've got, uh, got two gigs, actually. So if you're there on the day of the match, uh, go to Mint Bar at one o'clock. And that is a comedy show with uh, me, David Alfie Ward and Alexander Haddo, who are both brilliant comedians. That's called Under the Lights Comedy at one o'clock. That's on the day, so that'd be a good laugh for you in the run-up to the game. And then the night before, if anyone's there the night before, then me and Alexander Haddo are doing our own longer show. Uh, just call it English Comedy in Barcelona. Thought that'd be good for the SEO. And uh, yeah, just um, that'll be at eight o'clock at Space Cowboy. So there's two shows for you. All right, cool. And All right. Say, yeah, we that's will enough talk for me, mate. I've done my promo. <laughs> See you later, guys. Take care. Cheers for having me. 
<laughs> we'll see you next time. Um, but yeah, look, let's get straight into that Palace game. Uh, I mean, it did at one point look like this was going to be quite a routine win, but it obviously didn't end up like that. Uh, we played Palace just a couple of weeks ago and ended up dropping points with a late goal. Uh, but yeah, I mean, going into this game, we'd obviously been in good form. In our last podcast, we talked about the kind of three cup wins on the run, but uh, we were back in Premier League action and it hadn't been good last time. You know, the last time we were talking about Premier League, we'd lost to Arsenal, we'd drawn with Palace. So yeah, great to get back in winning ways. But uh, I mean, were you feeling confident going into this game, Ali? Yeah, I was, which is a weird feeling. I was saying to my my mates, like, we've, beat, we've played Arsenal and City twice each, so... There's no reason why we shouldn't be favourites going into every game now in the Premier League. Um, and that's the sort of awful uh, confidence that Ten Hag has instilled. Um, and also, I just don't actually think that Palace are that great. But obviously, having I was at Selhurst Park as well for the away game. And having watched 108 minutes, I mean, we've, we've made them look not bad, to be fair. <laughs> but... But uh, but yeah, I was pretty confident about the when I was. But uh, you know, we're not we're not sort of like a five or six nil smashing teams away yet. But I thought we were going to win two or three. Yeah, exactly. It was looking that way at one point. I mean, it started well. Uh, Imran, like I said, was in the ground, and due to like the VAR age, we often get messages from Imran saying, "Was that actually a handball? Should it be in a penalty?" Uh, you know, that's one of the weird things about VAR nowadays that when you're in the ground, you're never actually as sure about what's going on. Um, but Imran, what kind of view did you have of that early penalty incident? Zero, because I wasn't looking at the pitch. <laughs> I was looking at my mate. And then the cross went in, and we all heard the shout go up, but it was at the opposite side to me, and you couldn't really tell where his hand was. I should wear, I should be wearing my glasses, but I never do, because, you know, I always forget them. So to me, I just did, it literally didn't look like anything, and I just thought it was going to be one of those, oh, it's handball, but it's not really handball, and then we'll play on them, we'll get a corner, but... Um, to be fair, by the veracity of the United appeals, you probably thought actually there's probably a bit more in this than normal. And then when you see it back, it's it's a definite penalty. His hands, no business being up there, um, and it's one of those penalties that I mean, in my in my worldview of football, I never, I don't believe you should ever get penalties for such a, a ridiculous offence. Like that ball probably goes into the box, and one of the Palace players heads it away, and then everyone gets on with life. But because of the way the rules are, you get a penalty for it. But I mean, it helped us this time anyway. But yeah, I remember didn't Luke Luke Shaw give away a penalty in one of the first games, I think, um, with a ridiculous handball. And I always think like it shouldn't be a penalty for such a small offence, but it is, and it it went in our favour. And we actually got a penalty for the first time in absolutely ages. So I'm not complaining. Yeah, it's true. We haven't had one for a long time. We've actually had four penalties this season and four different scorers: one for Ronaldo, one for Martial, one for Rashford, and now. Bruno getting himself. I mean, he did that kind of Pogba stutter penalty, which I do not like to see at all and always worries me as it comes up. Um, But yeah, look, thankfully he managed to put it away. So yeah, it was a great start for us and kind of settles any of those nerves. Um, I mean, were you expecting us to go on pretty easy from there and score again? I mean, it was that second goal that we needed against Palace last time that obviously didn't end up coming. And then they end up getting that late equaliser that dropping points so yeah it's that second goal we're always looking for uh and you know we didn't get it by half time basically but Imran were you feeling confident that this game was going to go our way yeah we were sleepwalking a little bit towards the end of the, the first half I thought um with the, with the intensity was quite good for the first 10-15 minutes um but then yeah we kind of just fell into a bit of a rhythm and a pattern it was it wasn't really much going on um, I didn't feel like Veghorst had his, his best game. Um, he's starting to show maybe he's a bit out of his depth leading the line for us. Um, I mean, to be fair, 
he's a two million pound striker from Besiktas, so we couldn't have expected the world anyway. But but yeah, it was uh, it was it was an okay first half, but I did feel like we needed to push on a bit and get that second. Um, and it, it didn't really look like coming in the first half. And then they, they had a, they give us a bit of scare at the end of the first half, and I think in the second, it's a good job we came out a bit stronger. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I mean, yeah, I do agree that Weghorst was kind of struggling in this game a bit. I mean, Ali, I'll tell you, I'm like, I'm the kind of stats guy often on this show. And one of my favourites is passing accuracy stats. So I'm always looking at how many touches players have had and how many of them they're giving away. And Weghorst actually had one of the all-time lowest, like, that I've ever seen in, like, a half of football. Like, of that first half of football, he only touched the ball 11 times and he managed to give it away 75% of the time. Uh, yeah, he was down at, like, 29% passing accuracy and it's rare to see anyone that low. And, you know, your attacking players are normally lower down on those things because they're going for more difficult things, risky things. But, yeah, that is really poor, especially for a player who you kind of think of as a player who's going to hold the ball up keep it just keep hold of it uh so yeah it really wasn't happening for him in the first half even though he did manage to kind of make a couple of decent key passes and set up there was one kind of for fred and a couple of others so you know, they weren't all totally wasted but in general he we're gonna have to see a lot more from him because yeah you look yet again martial turns up the other night plays a kind of whatever 20 minute cameo and he's out injured again uh you know we're lit you know really starting to lose patience with him now and you know you can't blame a player for getting injured but it's just about not really being able to rely on him at all anymore uh you know i don't know how many minutes i think we'll probably only be in a couple of weeks where weghorst has already played more minutes than martial this season yeah i mean it's a weird one i don't know what weghorst was expecting coming here but he's obviously he's gone from a year ago playing at burnley to now being manchester united's main striker which is it's quite uh it's quite mad, but I, I I agree with you. I don't think he was, he was very effective at all against his Palace. I thought he actually looked quite good in the sort of two games against Forest, and he was putting himself about at the Arsenal game. But I mean, ultimately, yeah, you've got to set your expectations um, for him slightly lower than you would other players because he's obviously like a former Burnley Besiktas striker. And it's weird as well that his passing accuracy is so low because I think that's something he does really well with his back to goal that Martial will just never, just never offer us. Um, Vek was really good playing into feet and laying off. But then obviously he has the other issues that whenever they play a ball in front of him, he just seems to be running through custard. Like he just can't, can't get on the end of anything. Um, but yeah, no shame. He, I think Ten Hag in that way sort of got his subs right to wait to go on winners the game at that point. Cause he, he obviously knew we need another goal, but it's it's it's, it's rare that you take your strike off in that instance. But if a big horse for Garnacho changed that dynamic, it made that front three a lot more fluid, and obviously that became they're all involved in in the goal um, for the second goal where you thought we were just going to go on and win two or three nil. Um, so I think you also got to give Ten Hag credit there to spot that as a as a weakness of ours going forward and actually take off your striker to make the attack look better. Yeah, definitely. That did make a big difference when Garnacho comes in. Uh, it was like even before the hour mark. Like I said, Veghorst was struggling. He did slightly better in the second half. He got his overall match passing accuracy up to 45%, but that is still awful. Uh, but, you know, still a slight improvement. He did force a good save from, uh, like, he did force a save from Gaeta at least. No, I said he did get a shot and he did actually, as I said, to give him some credit, there was actually two or three kind of chances he did create from balls. It wasn't totally wasted on him. But, uh, but you know, that is the thing. He was bought in for what should be a plan B from the bench, but he's ending up being our plan A due to Martial just not being available at all. Um, do do we know then, what yeah. happened to Martial? 
uh, what injury it is. Said, just, you know, in, just not fit and ready to go. And uh, it's happened time and time again. You know, you're not really surprised anymore. And then, well, you have to wait and see what happens. I mean, the only other one that it was good to see back, he didn't come on back on the bench was Diogo Dallo, who we've not seen since the World Cup. Mm. Uh, you know, we talked a lot on the last show about the squad, squad depth, players needing rest. So, yeah, getting some of those players back in will make a big, big difference. I was really disappointed we didn't get to see the full Marshall. Um... The full Marshall sprint of uh, goal, goal, anonymous game, rubbish game, injury. <laughs> kind of the, the Marshall track. He's so more efficient got... now. He just does yeah, the goal efficient. and then immediately gets injured. Yeah, exactly. Forget all the other forget all the all the other games, just goal injured. So he'll come back he'll come back at the fi- um the cat so I've got to say Carling Cup final. Let's call it the Carling Cup final. Uh, cut, he'll, he'll come to the cup final and the uh, and score a goal and then get injured for about the rest of the season probably. Yeah, no, we have to see. But yeah, you did already mention that second goal, which obviously was the one we were looking for, and it was an, a beautiful move. Uh, Fourteen passes leading to like a, quite an easy kind of tap in for Rashford in the end. But yeah, he's obviously on absolute fire. Back to back player of the month awards for the Premier League and bangs another one in at Old Trafford there. And we've now gone an absolutely crazy run at winning at Old Trafford. Uh, so you know, for season tickets like uh, holders like ourselves, it is great to see because uh, you know, as, we, as you said, Ali, we have been suffering quite a bit in recent years. Uh, and you know, there'd even been like good runs under Ole, but you had an amazing kind of run away from home. We still hadn't been that great at home uh, in that kind of time. Although, yeah, a lot of that was in the COVID era anyway, so we weren't really watching it in the stadium. Um, but yeah, our home form now is brilliant, and you start feel like Old Trafford is a kind of bit of a fortress again now. Yeah, of course. And also it's different to, I think Mourinho had a decent home record, but I mean, the, the football was so pragmatic, so sort of uninteresting to watch. And and now, I mean, yeah, that goal we scored, it's, it's wonderful to see that template coming to fruition that you obviously Ten Hag from his time at Ajax and all that, he wants that style of play, you know, moving the ball quickly into changing players. And when you see it work like that, it's just absolutely fantastic to a tap in. I mean, I know a lot of like pundits say that about how well a team's doing. You can often tell, by are they got are their goals tappings you know like obviously Arsenal this year doing a few of them City in their sort of um, you know recent years when they're getting hundred points and all that a lot of their goals are coming from inside that sort of eight ten yard space from outside the goal so like that's lovely to see that like a moves coming together rather than you always felt under Oli it would require sometimes like a moment of brilliance and the same under Mourinho Van Howe. To be fair to Van Howe, he actually just got dead away with goals completely. If it wasn't part of his plan, <laughs> we'll just we'll just make sure we keep the ball for as long as possible. Um, so <laughs> you can't you can't fault him for that. Um, but uh, yeah, no, that's, that is such a quality goal to watch, and um, yeah, it's excellent to 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 see that progression. And you just think if you give Ten Hag more time with his team, more players that hit the profile of players he wants, then we could be seeing that sort of week in week out, and that's really exciting. Yeah, and it was actually brilliant as well to see Eric Ten Hag post-match. He kind of referenced the Busby Babes uh, in this goal. Uh, it's a great little quote that, yeah, we'll tweet it out later on. But yeah, go and check out. And, uh, you know, it's nice for him to bring in that kind of link to the match. They're obviously pre-match, the wreaths were laid as they are every year at this time of year. Uh, so, yeah, even though he's a new manager, you can see he's understood the history of the club and is talking about, you know, the attacking football and, yeah, how that second goal is kind of like an homage to the Busby Babes days. Uh, but, yeah, this is exactly the kind of progress that we'd wanted to see this season. Uh, you know, some lovely moves, not just scoring, not just digging out games over there. Uh, you know, another one of my favourite stats is the XG 
which is kind of yeah quite a controversial stat nowadays not everybody likes it but uh, it does show that we did deserve this win this game we were at 2.07 versus 1.3 for palace um, but yeah it was obviously a game that was completely changed by a huge incident uh, just kind of you know 10 minutes after we take that 2-0 lead i was just about to say like but, uh... Around what sixty minutes, whatever. After just after we scored that second, it was it was so comfortable. There was zero jeopardy. And it's not like yeah, we've got a good home record, but often these games are quite tight and don't feel super comfortable. But it was probably one of the most comfortable I felt in Old Trafford for a while in in the league anyway. And obviously, you know, United, it's, it's never going to be that simple. I don't know, Ali, were you feeling extremely comfortable at two 0 Oh yeah, hundred percent. I mean, that's what I think Ten Hag's brought as well. That mentality. I heard someone talking about it, but we're good when we go one or two up of making the game quite boring and holding on to the ball. And, and even though Palace, like, obviously, we got that early penalty in the first half, wasn't very inspiring from either team. But they didn't look like they had much going forward. To be honest, I mean, they had sort of a half yeah. chance from a corner. I thought we dealt with that very well. I mean, they were defending very compact and very organised. So you've got to give them credit for that. But. You know, it definitely didn't feel like they were going to go and score two, let alone three goals in the remaining 20 minutes. So you just thought, yeah, this is nice. Get some of the subs on, give Sancho a run out and stuff like that. So, yeah, I was feeling very comfortable. Yeah, but things changed very quickly. Uh, as I said, yeah, 62nd minute that Rashford scored. And then, yes, yeah, in the kind of 65 minutes later that there's this whole incident. And uh, again, I guess, sat in the ground, you wouldn't have had too much clue of what exactly had happened None. in that ruckus. It was so bizarre as well because it, it just wasn't that type of game. There was zero needle in the game at all. Like There was no bad challengers, no aggro, and then suddenly it just all kicked off. Mm. Yeah, it was so strange. I mean, Anthony's got a bit that about him. He's sort of a bit of a, like a passion merchant sometimes. Like He definitely has that, can be riled up a bit. But as you say, it really did ignite from nowhere. And then, you know, Will Hughes being an absolute brute throwing his neck into Casemiro's hands like that. It's a disgrace. I mean, I don't know how he's doing it. Obviously, he's going to have a retrospective ban, I assume, but I mean, it's terrible. I mean, the, I the funny thing was when the when it said, when when it first said VAR check for red card, everyone cheered. Oh, that was, just, it was uh, weird, wasn't it? It was, because yeah. then everyone cheered and then went, wait, it could be, it could be one of us. It could be for literally anything. <laughs> like, we had no idea. It's just that thing of we just feel like the ref's always against you. Like, it's any VAR. We think, thank God, they're going to make the right decision. Uh, but yeah, that was weird. I think you could tell in the on the ground when you, I started looking at the because I couldn't see. Um, I'm on the other side, but um, you could see the players, United players' body language, and you could tell. Yeah, that it, it wasn't clear like that one person in particular was in trouble. But you could tell there was there'd been some goings on. <laughs> you know, I, I genuinely thought it was Fred because Fred went in. I I saw later with the video. Fred went in like a, a bit of a, a man a man possessed, and he was. I could just see Fred's hands going everywhere, so I thought oh, it's probably Fred. And then when he actually showed the red card, it was in front of Fred. Fred couldn't he couldn't reach good. anyone's neck though. That was what helps him out. Well, he was trying to is... throttle people, but he was just grabbing them on their knees. Um, and then I still and so when it happened, and then um, it said Casemiro red card. Then like we we didn't have a clue what it was for, so someone checked on the phone. Casemiro throttled uh, Will Hughes by the neck. Oh, fair enough, he's throttled someone. Fair enough. But then now, after the game, the more I see it, the more I just I just don't think it's a red card. I feel like it's handbags at best. He's grabbed his collar, not really his neck. He's pulling him away for two seconds. It's it's so and and I'm I, in fact, I'm always thinking like unless you full on punch someone in the face, I really don't think you should get a red card. I always go back to that Drogba red card in the Champions League fan two thousand and eight, and I think that was a a soft red card. Like he slapped Vidic very. 
softly with his gloved hand and you think is that a red card not really no one's going to get hurt from that whereas you can see Andy Carroll piling into Ericsson and then yeah that's what that's well not even a booking apparently but yeah like just stuff like slapping each other in the face I mean get over it I don't, I don't know clearly clearly I'm just a, a, a football used to be better back in the days where people could kill each other I don't know but that, that's just my thoughts well, well it's, it's, it's weird isn't it with, with VAR I mean because yeah as you said in terms of the action it's yeah, it, when you see the picture, it looks like he's just throttling them. But it's almost like, you know, the way a bouncer will sort of like move someone. They'll sort of put yeah. their hands by their sh- like shoulder collar to just be like, right, OK, you've got to move on. And when you watch it back, it looks more like that. But this is where we talk about your your football philosophies. Obviously, Imran, you'd, you'd like them to have sort of bayonets and shanks on the uh, on the pitch and be, be uh, knifing each other. But mine is, mine would <laughs> make it interesting, mine is... Um, but like with VAR, when it's a clear and obvious error, I think you should have to watch it at normal speed. I don't, yeah, because mm. because every, everything slowed down looks so much more traumatic and violent. And I just think if it's a clear and obvious error, then it should be obvious from watching it at normal speed. So, yeah, I, I don't like that because yeah, you watch it in slow motion and it just and it, the video cuts out. And obviously afterwards, the footage emerges of him and Will Hughes hugging each other afterwards. So it clearly wasn't that violent. I mean, Will doesn't go down or anything like that. Um, so I, it does feel a bit bizarre, but then have you seen the thing of that? He's out for three games, and if they appeal it and lose, he'll be out for four. So he'll. Wait, would, the... I, I don't think it's that. I think it's more if he appeals it, he'll he he would be free for the Leeds game on Wednesday. Oh, okay. But then, but then he, would... he would be still banned for three games, unless they thought it was frivolous. But I don't think I think the frivolous thing has gone out the window. I don't think things they think things are frivolous anymore because um, of the VAR. Um, so I think he would he would miss three games and one of them would be the Newcastle game. So it's probably not worth us appealing for that whole reason. But if 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 it wasn't the cup final, I think we should we should definitely appeal personally. But yeah, it's uh it, it's just it's annoying because now we're down to two midfielders. Um, but I guess he'll get some rest. Uh, and I'm trying to think I'm trying to think of the positives, but it's it's just it's just frustrating. And like you said. The, the weird thing about VAR as well, it was like VAR was like, it was like some, it was like suddenly it was part of like law and order and it had to present a case to the jury of why you should give him a red card. So I'm going to show you one angle and I'm going to show you two seconds where you can roll it back and forth to hands going to neck and back again. It's it's really bizarre. Like, shouldn't VAR be like, here's all the angles of this incident, make a call. And then obviously you have other things going on in the media, like people literally slapping each other in the face and nothing's done about it. It's, it's just really odd. Really, It was a really odd thing to happen. There's also one as well that Casemiro, I mean, this guy's played in the biggest pressure cookers, but something about Will Hughes just got, got, got he just couldn't have it. He just got to him. You, know? you don't like Albino? <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's like the most specific races. And we'll have to, we'll have to wear our, we stand with Casemiro shirts at the next uh, game. But, uh, but, but it's, it's so bizarre that he just, and again, as you said, with the game at 2-0 against the mid-table Premier League club that we've got no historic beef with just just for it to all boil over like that i mean obviously ten hag does does spin it in a way of like and it, you know i do agree with him. it is good to see them all literally mm. fighting for each other but at the same time i think this is where you see there's still a bit of that fragile mentality about this team they're not used to winning you know anthony gets pushed into the boards in another way he's trying to get the player to get a yellow card or something but then obviously he reacts just violently in a game that's already been won and so they they need a bit of that ice and it cold like cold through the veins, you know what I mean? I think they need a bit bit of that this team because they're still a bit mentally fragile. And I think you saw that from the five minutes after Casemiro went off, they just completely lost the plot. They didn't want to pass it anymore. They were trying to clear it like it was the ninety fifth minute, and it was just mm. it's a bit of that mentality that probably needs to come from 
competing for titles, winning titles and stuff like that. So there's still a bit of that softness maybe and a bit of that ability to get riled up now, as you saw sort of like Everton do against Arsenal on the weekend as well. Well, I think it is one of those that you said before that United never make it easy and it was just seeming far too easy this game at that point. So they decided to make things interesting. Um, but we will take a quick break there, come back and talk a bit more about that red card VAR and the end of the game. So we're back for the second part of the show. We were talking all about red cards and VAR. I mean, I absolutely call this a VAR red card. It would not have happened pre-VAR. You had these kind of, you know, 50-50 bust-ups and you'd throw out a couple of yellow cards. But it's like you said, Ali, when things are gone into slow motion, it looks so much worse. And a ref goes there and he's just shown like a few snippets again and again and again. Uh, I mean, I remember a specific one that came into mind from, I don't know if it was last season or the season before, where McTominay got sent off for apparently hitting Son in the face when we were playing top. He didn't get sent off. We had a goal disallowed for it. Oh, yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah. But it was exactly the same kind of thing where like in real time, it just looks like nothing. But you show it again and again and again in slow motion and it looks like assault, basically. Um, but yeah, it is a. have always been very, very anti-VAR. I mean, a lot because, you know, you go to the stadiums, as you guys know, and you don't have a clue what's going on. Uh, I mean, I had mentioned actually earlier that I'd actually moved my seat this summer and I'm now sat on the kind of back row of J-Stand. And if I crane my neck, I can see the TVs in the boxes behind me. Uh, so it actually like gives me a view of what's going on. And that's all just because of VAR and trying to have some kind of clue of what's happening, actually happening. But it takes the game kind of away from the fans in the stadium. And, you know, it's more about the people watching at home who can actually watch replays. But even then, you can watch at home the replays and still have absolutely no clue how the referees have come to these decisions. Uh, I mean, even the handball earlier, again, I'd call that a VAR handball. You know, five, ten years ago, that wouldn't have been given as a penalty. Well, I mean, it probably should have been, though. His hand was very high. His hand is high, but he also Rashford's only a yard or two away from him. Uh, you know, they, we, used, we used to talk about ball to hand and how close, but now it doesn't really seem to be a thing. And it's just more about where your hand is, stuff like that. I mean, happy that we have had a penalty. But yeah, personally, uh, I don't, I think there's a lot of decisions given nowadays that I don't particularly agree with. I mean, as a defender and a centre-back myself, I'm always going to like slightly be siding with these defenders where like a lot of penalties are given nowadays. But yeah, this is the VAR age and I guess we just have to accept it. Um, I mean, Hughes didn't even complain at all. He was not running over to the referee and saying, I've been assaulted, have a look at this or anything. And I'd say there was worse things going on in that fracas as well. Like, uh, watch a bit of replays. Like, Fred is pushed around much worse than I'd say what Casemiro actually did to Hughes. But at the same time, you do have to say an experienced player... It is a bit daft for him to be putting two hands up in that kind of area. There's like no need for it whatsoever. Uh, and in this day and age where you know everything is going to get replayed, everybody is watching, mm. he can't really complain that much. I mean, I don't think the club, even without the whole he would might miss like the cup final, I don't think they would try and appeal this one. You should have picked him up by the armpits. <laughs> yeah, you're allowed to do that, right? <laughs> m- uh, m- moved, him up, moved him on nicely. I mean, we should say that this whole like situation came because of the death trap that is at the side of the Old Trafford pitch. I mean, you'll know that kind of slope has often seen players end up like down there. And that's how it all started, where Anthony gets a bit of a shove. I think it was from Schlupp, uh, ends up kind of skidding down 
that kind of embankment that we have. And it is like a really like dangerous thing at our stadium. I don't think any other Premier League has this kind of slope where if you just end up losing your footing in slightly the wrong place, it can end up hurting you pretty badly. Uh, I mean, I understand that it's something to do with drainage or under soil heating. There is some kind of reason for this having this. But in this kind of day and age, it does seem like we could have come up with some better solution by now. But it did thwart the Rory Delap long throw back in the day. So you, t- you take the rough with the smooth. That's good. And also, yeah, it was good seeing Ashley Young barge Dick Maria over as yeah. well. And so, yeah, so, great yeah. moment where, where people <laughs> thought he should have got a red card for a shoulder match. <laughs> yeah, same with her when... Uh, was a Chiellini pulled back uh, Saka was a Bonucci and oh, yeah. never watched football before. How is he not laid off for that? It's like, well, it's unfortunate that's the bullshit. game. Yeah, yeah. But what, okay, so after the red card, what I would say is, it and that, you were right, Ali, for the first five, ten minutes after that, up, basically up until Palace scored, we were a bit of a mess. Um, and I do think probably Van, um, Van Hal, God, I haven't. You've got him in my head, yeah. No, Ten, <laughs> Ten Hag. I feel like he should have made the change um, where he, he took Anthony off, put Bruno on the uh, out wide, and put Sabitzer on. He should have probably done that a lot sooner than he did. Because as soon as we did that, we looked a lot more uh, solid and less frantic. And I have to say, after we got sent, after we got uh, down to ten men, Fred and Bruno were absolutely running around like absolute madmen, and uh, Bruno sprinting like a crazy person. Um, at about 90 minutes just to cover back in the right wing position was really good to see. So that sort of fight was excellent. Yeah, that was to I mean, that, that I, I agree with you completely. I think Tenog's a bit slow and, and that's one of the very, very minor faults. I think I've had with him a couple of times this season. I think he can sometimes be, he could, could be more proactive with his subs sometimes. And in that, we just needed a sort of like, like Mourinho, to be fair to him, was always very good at that. As soon as the game changed, he was like, right, I need to change it back to a very boring game. Um, so he would just get the personnel on, but um, yeah, I think he did. And then, and then when that happened, I mean, the effort levels, and I don't know how you found the atmosphere, but the last ten minutes, the way the fans got behind the players, I mean, it's good to feel like there's more of a connection now. Um, that City game, those last ten minutes were so loud, and this yeah. almost, almost similar. I mean, not quite as good, but almost similar in you know Fred tackling and everyone roaring him on and the work rate of those guys. And you could tell once they'd sort of got their heads cleared and they, you know, they, they realised that they, there was a new shape and they're to stick to their task. I mean, I think they were fantastic to be fair in that last 10 minutes. I don't think Palace really had a chance, even though the ref wanted to play about another sort of half a football after 90 minutes. Um, oh, and 10 and minutes also, went off, I despair. I mean, it's just, just mad. It's just, it, especially as well, the decision where Sabitzer does really well to win back the ball up the pitch. And he plays it to Rashford. It's the two-on-one, Rashford and Bruno against one of the Palace centre-backs. And he put, brings it back for some random foul that, that didn't happen. Um, but yeah, so they did well to sort of face that adversity. And yeah, the, the effort levels from those guys was, was excellent. And it's not something we've seen loads in the last few years. So, so welcome. One of our biggest bugbears with us, actually, in the, in, in the past, was we, we generally have been, we're always terrible with 10 men. Like, it's a big... We're not off, we don't often get men sent off, I guess. I'm trying to think. But when, when we go down to 10 men, we are generally absolutely rubbish so it was actually quite good to see us not be completely rubbish with 10 men um not that i want to see us go 10 men every week but it, it, it was something good to see 
No, definitely. And I mean, I totally agree with both of you that I was very surprised that Ten Hag took as long as 11 minutes to make the midfield change because we all know how important Casemiro is to that whole setup. So for him to drop out and him not make that change sooner was a bit strange, especially because Palace made two changes nearly straight away, attacking changes. They brought in Eberetje Eze and uh, Lacongo's their new kind of loan signing in from Arsenal. They both came on within like minutes of that red card. And mm-hmm. then it was only... a three minutes after Eze came on that they scored that goal and they'd even had another chance before that so you can't say it wasn't kind of coming Uh, but then look he does make that change Sabitzer comes in for his first minutes Uh, you know this has been our big kind of worry with Ericsson out Fred came in though did a solid job Uh, now Sabitzer comes in I mean Imran what was your initial I know he only had 10 minutes but what was your initial impression of Sabitzer good Um, got himself about looked fit looked energetic uh Won the ball, was up for the fight. I mean, it's all really all you can really ask for when you've got ten men um, and you're trying to defend the lead is just someone who's up for the fight, someone who's getting themselves in, making some good tackles. And like I said, he made a great tackle um, that would have sent Rashford and Bruno through, which got pulled back for God knows why. Uh, so yeah, I was, I was. It looks like he will be able to contribute, which is all we can ask for. Yeah, definitely. And he's going to have to play now, right? Because, as you say, we're going to be missing now Casemiro. So this is really going to test our midfield if it wasn't enough. You know, these are that, they're the two players who have kind of totally changed our fortune. The new midfield, Casemiro and Eriksen. And uh, yeah, on this show, Ali, we always like to come up with a double midfield kind of moniker following on from the whole McFred thing. So we had called it uh, Kazakhstan. We'd, we'd even had a vote about this on uh, our Twitter on what they were going to be named. And there was various options put out there. But yeah, we'd, we had eventually ended up going with Kazakhstan. Uh, but now, yeah, I guess it's going to be Fred, Fred, Fred Itzer or something like that for the next few games. Uh, um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not not sure exactly how yeah that's going to work out. Uh, I mean, Imran, we mentioned on the last match, and you said you wouldn't read too much in it that he did give Lindelof a few minutes at defensive midfield. So I don't know uh, how as we go forward, who's going to take up that role? Because I wouldn't say that Sabitzer is suited to being like uh, kind of sitting number six. And you know, we said before that Fred's not his best way either. Well, but apparently he has, that's where he's been playing this year for Bayern. When he's come on, he's been putting at number six and been doing an okay job, better in the job than he did last year. So, well, we'll have that's to just hope what I've that. heard. But you know, traditionally he has been a more attacking player. We said it on yeah. the last pod that even when he was at Leipzig, he was much more of an attacking midfielder. But yeah, he has definitely moved back into those kind of central midfield area for Bayern. And yeah, it will be interesting to see which way we go now. Just just on that midfield, I think I think it shouldn't be understated how he comes on when we're down to 10 men and there's only one goal in it and we really need to win that game for his debut for 20 minutes. And I think I was really impressed with the way he stuck to task in that. I think it's always a good sign when you buy a player from a team when he was he's their captain and he takes the set pieces and penalties and stuff. I think it's just sort of regressive punditry for me based on nothing. But But I always just think it's like a testament to some sort of mentality or some sort of accountability that that person has. And that's obviously what he was doing at Leipzig before he moved to Bayern Munich. So that I think that was really great. And then also as well, like we've, we've lost Casemiro and Eriksson. And I think that Palace game was a, an indicator of what it's going to be like in the second half of the season with Fred instead of Eriksson. We didn't, we couldn't progress the ball quickly, quick as quickly as we used to. There was no one to sort of play those 30, 40 yard passes that Eriksson's so good at forward. Um, so Fred can't really do that, but he did offer, I think we recycled the ball quite well, especially in the first half. 
in the Palace area, Palace half, and 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 Fred was good at offering that. So I think it's maybe a change of tact. And also, my friends were saying to me like, we've got two games against Leeds and, and then Leicester without Casemiro and Eriksson, and it's like, oh no, we're going to have to have Fred Sabitzer and Bruno as our midfield. And it's like, but that is a Champions League quality midfield. I think mm. this is what Ten Hag. So he's the reverse of the managers we've had since Fergie, where all those managers, you felt like we were less than some of our parts. I feel like Ten Hag could play Wambasaka at number six. And after sort of 30 minutes, you think he's doing a decent job here. Like, I don't know why he just, he just seems to have that effect on the players at the moment. So there's no reason why we can't be a pretty, be a pretty poor Leeds and Leicester teams with that midfield. So that's where sort of I'm getting a bit more confident in Ten Hag and his methods. So, I mean, hopefully it'll work out. It'll be obviously trickier than having the class of Casemiro and Eriksen, but, uh, you know, we'll have Casemiro back for the Barcelona game, which is obviously like the, the biggest test. So um, I'm, I'm not too disheartened by that, to be honest. Yeah, that is good. the only kind of silver lining is that he's going to get a rest and he's going to be back for kind of Barcelona and that Carabao Cup final uh, and hopefully completely well rested for them. But yeah, we do, of course, have a double header against Leeds in the meantime coming up straight away. But yeah, they are in awful form. They have not won a Premier League game this year. Uh, in fact, it's back to November that they've last won a Premier League game. Mm. They won a couple of cup games in the meantime. Uh, I mean, as my a, my, I, my lead supporting friend uh, messaged me today saying they are because they lost to Forest today. One, they said this is the worst Leeds team I've ever seen. I was like, probably not the worst. You were in League One at some point, but um, he's got he's got he's got zero hope uh, against us on Wednesday. And to be fair, I, I Old Trafford, you would you would back us. I'm I'm a bit more worried about that Ellen Road game, um, but but. Yeah, we should be covered. Just on just a few points quickly on the before we move on though, we should probably mention Martinez, who was tremendous. Absolutely tremendous in that game. Um just putting himself about, blocking everything. The man is I mean, how can you not love him? He's absolutely brilliant. No, look, outstanding, absolutely outstanding season. And I always have to remember back to those Carragher comments at the start of the season where he said somebody of this size cannot make it in the Premier League. And not only is he making it, you know, he's definitely up there for the best centre-back in the whole Premier League this season. I mean, Varane is also up there for that award, uh, which is, you know, one of the reasons we're doing so well. It's just so great when when you watch them and you just think what dross we've been watching for so many years, like, like Varane can do what Smalling did in terms of his pace and aerial ability. But how about this? He can also pass and control the ball as well. It's unbelievable. And then Martinez just does exactly the same on the other side. And you just think, God, like this is what having top-class centre-backs is like. You forget that, you know, you've been putting up with sort of Maguire and Lindelof, who are sort of too savvy, and Bayou who's crazy, and Rojo was crazy, and... I think the best defence we had was sort of, sort of Daily Blind and Smalling, who sort of attributes complemented each other. But just having them at the back just makes everything so much calmer. Balls over the top just don't inexplicably go through to the opponent's striker anymore. You know, in those tight areas, Martinez rushes in, but you don't, you're not worried he's going to just clear someone out, give away a penalty or whatever. He just, just makes the right decision. I mean, it's just, they're just absolute blessings. I love them both, if you can't mm. tell. And although, when what was your reaction when Maguire and Lindelof were seen warming up? Because there was a couple of groans from around my section. Though to be fair, I, I did. I, I thought it was it was a good change from Ten Hag actually to go to five at the back for the last because we weren't. There was pointless trying to go for a goal or anything. So actually moving that, putting that five at the back and putting Lindelof on uh, at the back post for height was was a, probably a, a good pick. But yeah, there was a lot of groans in my section. I, I think some. I think honestly, I think some of it's a bit performative. I think. 
some players get hated for whatever reason. There's nothing wrong for me for having Maguire, who's very good in the air, he's vocal for 10 minutes at the end of a football mm. game you're trying to close out. I think he's generally been very good. I remember that Wolves game, he made a very important header um, when we were 1-0 up at, at Molyneux. And I think there's no problem there. It's not It's not, It's not. not going to be an issue. Obviously, the problem is that you, you're not going to win a Premier League title or his title if he's starting week in, without, week out for you. Um, but yeah, and I think that's where, yeah, again, Ten Hag subs were correct. They were a bit late, but that was one where I was like, oh God, a little bit of like, do we need four centre-backs on the pitch? Do we need that many? But uh, obviously, I don't think Palace threatened for the last 10 minutes So since they came on. So you got it right again. Look, I think he's. I think he was banging into. I have a. I have this theory where if it's the last ten minutes at Old Trafford and we are a goal up, oh, one goal up, the opposition team will turn into the best crossers in the world. Um, it happened to West Ham in the season, and to be fair, in this game, someone hit a volleyed cross to the back post to Mateta, and it was one of the best crosses I've ever seen because it was like chest height volleyed left foot cross. I was like, I bet he's never done that in his life. So there is. I, it's my theory that everyone turns into the world's best cross against us, but then after that, their crosses were terrible. So clearly, my theory was wrong. But yeah, that's how you know we're back. Is when we're losing to screamers and once in a lifetime hits from players instead of just getting confidently outplayed by like West Brom. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Yeah, no, and look, it was absolutely great to come through this game, get those three points. As I said, I could hear as well, watching it on the television, the kind of crowd was making a big difference. I could see Ten Hag at one point trying to G up the crowd as well because he knew that extra bit could make the difference. It was really good. And like I said, like the the last 10 minutes were very intense and the crowd was well up for it, as up for it as you'd like a City game or anything like that. And it was weird. It went from being an incredibly unmemorable game at 60 minutes to one of the more memorable games of recent times at Old Trafford. So uh, just funny how football works like that, I guess. I'm glad we don't have to play Palace again anymore. That's been 180 that minutes of tough true. football. And thankfully, Elise didn't fancy himself to be the new David Beckham this time. So he got away with the win. Yeah, definitely. In fact, there was a big moan from Patrick Vieira. I think it was you were talking about the best crosses in Rambra. I think their last chance was an Olise cross. He was in a great position and it was an absolute horrible cross. Oh, it was Olise, wasn't it? Yeah. Right at the end. But uh, so yeah, he did all his things in that first game. Uh, but yeah, look, I think that rounds us off for that Palace game. Great to hold on for those three points with 10 men and everything. We will take another quick break there and then come back and talk more about Barcelona and Ali's gigs that he's doing out there. So we're back for part three of this podcast. Uh, we have a call, Scott, the Leeds doubleheader coming up. But then, yeah, we are back in Europa League action. We've got these big matches with Barcelona. Uh, this is actually, of course, part of our fixture pileup because we ended up coming second in our group. We've got this extra round of matches, which we really didn't need. Uh, but, you know, I am loving the fact that it is going to be a big game with Barcelona uh, you know, it's one of these games where United fans that I haven't heard from for many, many years start sending text messages saying, can you get me a ticket? Same as for the uh, Carabao Cup final as well. Um, but I will say, you know, where were you when we were playing Charlton or whatever? So, yeah, no, let me know when you're, when you're ready for those other games and then you can start talking about those. But, yeah, my I always kind of have one spare ticket because I have a pair. So, yeah, that will go to my friend who did go to Charlton, who did go to Burnley. So he kind of deserves that uh, Carabao Cup final. But uh, Barcelona coming up. So, yeah, you will be out there, Ali. Have you got a ticket for the actual game? Yeah, yeah. So we've got me and my dad are going for the game. Um, we've got a few away tickets all in Spain. They're all, I don't know what is going on. 
but we've been to first one was was Camp Nou in 2000 would have been 19 when Messi tore us apart and then Coutinho scored a screamer I think that back four was something like Ashley Young Phil Jones Chris Smalling and then I don't know who was playing right back um the glory days we call them yeah 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 but when we were a proper team proper <laughs> we stuck a boot in you know what I mean um and then I've been to Atletico Madrid last year, went to Sociedad last year, and then back to back to Camp Nou uh, this time. So hopefully a bit better score, but it's a terrible view. Have you guys been to, to Nou? Yeah, I went in 2008 for the the semi-final where Ronaldo missed a penalty. That's all I really remember. All I remember was being incredibly high up and there's like a little wall behind you. You think that's probably not the safest thing in the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's it. And they've got this net across because obviously they're just sort of penning in all the Englishmen. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's a terrible, terrible view. And uh, But, you know, good experience to go to the Camp Nou. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it'll, it'll, it'll hopefully be be great. I think that game's looking good. I was reminded as well that I think, am I right, Martinez is out of this game as well? What? Yeah, I, I think so. I think he's got a, a, a um, got enough yellow cards in the group stages. That means he actually misses the first game. I might I might be wrong on that, but I, that was going through the WhatsApp groups I'm in. You are you are perfectly correct. He is suspended for that game. There's that is news to me. So wow. that'll be Maguire versus Lewandowski, which doesn't doesn't make me feel good about myself or Man United. Will it? Will it, will it, will it not be sure? Yeah, it's a good point, actually. It's a good point. It might go for uh, back in for sure and then Malassia on the left. Um, I think I was seeing today as well that, that uh, so Dembele's already out for Barca and uh, Busquets, I think, is going to be out now as well. So that's two first-team players that they'll be missing, mm. which will be nice as well. Um, so at least it'll be a couple on either side. Um, but yeah, no, really looking, really looking forward to it. I, I, I was going to say, I wonder if he'll go like five at the back at New Camp, but I don't think so. It's not really Ten Hag style, is it? No, I mean, he doesn't, for all the sort of Ten Hag novelty and genius aura of, of him, he does seem to stick to the same formation pretty much every game. I mean, it was only that Real Sociedad last sort of 15, 20 minutes where he changed to some sort of like 3-1, yeah. 5-1 or something with Maguire and sort of playing off Ronaldo or something, which made you think, OK, I understand that you used to work with Pep, but we don't need to see this nonsense. Um, but uh, yeah, the, otherwise, I think I imagine he would stick to a back for um but yeah it'd be interesting how he sort of picks his team and that sort of middle three but he doesn't rotate much so you assume it will just sort of be the the same the same team we're used to seeing but just without without Martinez and Ericsson and, and as you say probably Malassia comes in and then probably Fred comes in for Ericsson yeah, I mean, of course, we have to see that our players do all survive the next couple of matches and who's still available for that one. But yeah, hopefully we can put out that uh, decent team over there. Uh, I mean, I have been to the new Camp as well, so I know exactly what you talk about. That view from back there is not great. I know there will be thousands and thousands who are going even out there ticketless. I mean, I know several friends who are going out there without a ticket. So yeah, hopefully you can drum up some good numbers for your gigs out there. I know you did already give yourself a plug, but mention them again. Uh, where exactly you're playing on the day there. Yeah, of course, if you are in Barcelona for the game, if you're arriving the night before on the 15th, then I'll be at Space Cowboy, me and the fantastic Alexandra Haddo. Check her out on Twitter. She's got like 50,000 followers. She's hilarious on there as well as in real life. Uh, so that's at Space Cowboy at 8 o'clock on the 15th. And then on the actual day, 
It'll be one o'clock at Mint Bar, and that's with Alexander Haddo again, but uh, David Alfie Ward will also be joining, who's a fantastic comedian. So come along to either of those shows. You can find and follow me online at Alleywoods Gigs, and you can find all this information on there. And also I do sketches online and stuff, so if you like any of those, then, then give us a follow. Um, but yeah, check us out. And uh, yeah, by all means, like it'd be great to have a good good crowd there and a good laugh on the, on the day as well. But uh, yeah, it should be fun. I've, just, I've never gigged in Spain before I don't know if we're gonna have like, funny? A, uh mercy so, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's pretty good um but uh I, I don't know if we're gonna have any sort of Spanish locals there English speaking uh people but I've heard great things about the Barcelona comedy scene I've got a few mates who are out there and uh, uh do gigs all across sort of European capital cities apparently it's really it's really uh, going well so um I'm looking forward to, to mm-hmm. seeing what it's like and for the for the discerning gentleman who isn't going to Barcelona can they see you anywhere in this country <laughs> Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Exclusively gigging in Barcelona. <laughs> United play there. Don't do any other gigs in my career. Uh, but yeah, that's no, true. So I'm, I'm all about, um, obviously, I'm based in London. I'm a Cockney Red, so I'm I'm mainly gigging around here. But I'm, I'm all about, I'm, at, I'm actually, if you are in Manchester, I'm at the Frog and Bucket um, at the end of this month, doing a weekend there. I think that's something like that. It's actually, funny enough, that's actually that weekend of the League Cup game. So I actually asked mm-hmm. Frog and Bucket when to book me. And I said, can I, they gave me a date during the World Cup. And I said, can I actually have a date when Man United are playing at Old Trafford? Because then I can I can go up and stay over. Um, so they were, so I sent them these through some dates and they were like, yeah, come February. But now we're obviously not even playing then. So what I'm probably going to do, I'm going up to Manchester for the Barcelona game that Thursday, playing the Frog and Bucket, I think 25th and 26th, maybe or 24th, 25th, those two nights. And then coming back on the train, I assume with the United fans, I'll hopefully have a ticket for the League Cup game. We'll see. Um, but yeah, that'll be a great experience. So yeah, check out my, it's all on my socials on my website. So alleywoodsgigs.com and alleywoodsgigs on any social media, you'll find me. And uh, yeah, I'll, I'll put all the info of my of my shows there. Yeah, yeah. And we'll tweet those and retweet whatever you've got out there to make sure our listeners can find those things over there. But no, as I say, yeah, I do think it's actually quite a good idea because you've, of course, got thousands of our fans around there looking for something to do. And normally, uh, you know, I, I, I have had the odd trip where I've done some kind of cultural things here and there. Uh, but often you don't see much, much more than the odd pub or whatever over there while you're doing these trips out there. Um but no, let's see, let's see what we're doing. This. I mean, Barcelona are absolutely in, in outstanding form recently. I think they've won something like 10 games in a row, obviously top of La Liga. So, yeah, it's not going to be easy by any means. I mean, we did have a bit of a chat actually on the last show talking about our priorities and if we had to kind of go out of one cup. And the kind of debate was, if you had to prioritise something, would it be the FA Cup or this Europa League? And I don't know which way you'd go on that one, Ali. Yeah, I heard this. I thought I found this really interesting on the last episode. Um, I heard this because I I agree with the, the practicality of if we go out against Barcelona, then we're saving ourselves so many games compared with the FA Cup, where it's four games left. So you, your your schedule suddenly comes a bit ma- more manageable. By the way, I know we've talked about it briefly already, but it is, it is ridiculous that we're playing these, these extra games. We finished that group with 15 points, and I think we conceded three goals in those games across all, all the games and I don't know how we've not finished top and it's all basically down to another refereeing decision where Martinez somehow handballed it by getting the ball kicked at his leg so uh, anyway but so I sort of would think that I would actually rather we went out of the Europa League at this stage if we're going to have to go out of one eventually but on the flip side of that if we beat Barcelona over two legs why can't we win the Europa League you know mm. I mean the three teams that you'd say our favourites in terms of their form and quality this year left in the Europa League 
are us two and then Arsenal. You know, you've got a few other teams there, like a Juventus or something like that, but there's no other teams in that in that Europa League that are, are that, you know, they're either big teams that are not doing well or they're smaller teams, smaller budgets, sort of lower quality teams. And obviously everyone's going to be difficult. But if we do knock out Barcelona, then I wouldn't want us to sort of throw it at any other stage. After you've knocked out Barcelona, you might as well go all out for it. So I think if it was up to me, I'd rather go out now in the Europa League than go out the FA Cup. But if we beat Barcelona, I'd sort of rather win the Europa League than the FA Cup. So that's probably where I'd, where I'd stand. But this is again why it shows how Fergie was the best. I mean, I don't remember in the years of watching him complaining about sort of fixture congestion or anything. And he was always trying to compete across four competitions. But but I think Ten Hag's got a little bit of that in Fergie and that he's sort of got that belief that everyone should be good enough to play for United. There shouldn't really be like a like a Mourinho was like, do you remember after the FA Cup final in 2018 where Lukaku was injured and we lost and he was just like this is why I say every week, Lukaku, Lukaku, look, and it's like basically saying, "What do you expect me to play Rashford up front and win a game of football?" I mean, that no one could ever do that in in history. Um, so I like that Ten Hag's maybe building this ethos of like, yeah, it's tough, but we've just got to get on with it. Um, but yeah, I do agree with you, man. Like, there's no reason why we should just go for them all. I mean, it's 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 fantastic that at this point, top four sort of looks sort of not comfy but expected. So you start thinking, well, we've already played the two toughest teams in, in the league twice each. So why not just, just play a strongest team and see where we get to? I mean, one thing from this weekend, I would I mean, the results were pretty kind to us this weekend as well. And there's just something about Newcastle where I just don't see Newcastle lasting the the top four race. And after that, it's, I mean, we, we really should be nailed on for top four. If we don't make top four now, it is a, a big, it must be something's gone horribly wrong. Yeah, because you're looking at how we could not. And I agree with you, Newcastle, I think they're sort of overperforming a lot of their underlying stats. And they've got three games now without Bruno Gamers, who is arguably their best player. And they've not really got the depth to then just easily replace him. So, yeah, they look pretty ordinary against West Ham. And two more games, and they've still got to play tough. So we've obviously got to go there. So I can see them sort of dropping off. And also then, yeah, you're ex- you're expecting or hoping that Spurs... I mean, I think they've been pretty poor, even against City today. I mean, they were they were good defensively, to be fair to them, and they counted all right, but they looked like a pretty ordinary team. That was just two rubbish teams striker. today. Yeah, I mean, really, I mean, Kane, you know, he's just he's just trying to pull them to top four on his own. Um, and then Chelsea and Liverpool, I mean, they've both got the sort of first teams now to be able to go on a run where they sort of win eight or nine games, but they just, they just look so trash. I mean, especially Liverpool, so... Yeah, I mean, I don't, I'm not sure who you're thinking is really going to take that sort of third or fourth place from us at this point. But you never know, 10 games down the line, someone could go on a run and it could all go to the pot. Yeah, it would only be if we start looking at some kind of injury crisis or as I say. That's why I always just worry about all these games building up and getting too far. You know, already we end up being without Ericsson, without Casemiro and see how we're going to deal with that for a few games. Uh, but look, at the same time, we are on very good form. Players are coming in, doing their bit, whether it's Sabitzer, you know, the likes of Aaron Wan-Bissaka all of a sudden coming back from the dead where everybody had written him off. And we were all thinking, oh, what are we going to do without Dallow? And he's kind of stepped up. So, yeah, hopefully we can see some of our kind of bench players step up when 
when they need to for the rest of this season. Uh, but yeah, this weekend has obviously been very kind to us. Although, yeah, we, you know, you start getting those games like Spurs versus City and I'm like, well, what do I actually want over here? Uh, do we still have a chance of being in the title race or are we just looking to be solid in top four? Uh, you know, I kind of wrote off our title race after we lost to Arsenal. Now, all of a sudden, Arsenal and City lose this weekend. We're like three points behind City and everybody's saying they're in the title race. So then surely we are as well. Uh, so yeah, you're not, you, you don't know which way you want to go. You know, do we want to just make sure that we're absolutely solid in top four, or do we want to start dreaming about even going one step further than that? Uh, but yeah, I do agree. I mean, especially Liverpool. I mean, we, we should take a moment on every podcast at the moment to have a quick laugh at Liverpool because, yeah, it has been uh, last season, especially we were getting it the other way. And, uh, you know, they've had a couple of kind of stronger years. But yeah, to see them where they are just makes everything even better. Uh, I can't really see Chelsea sorting themselves out. They've just got too many new players. I can't see them all being integrated. There's going to be so many of them moaning about game time. And I'll be surprised if Potter even kind of lasts. Uh, I'm sure he'll get like the summer, but I could well see things going very badly at Chelsea. I can't see them sorting it out with all these players. But yeah, I'd probably say Spurs are the most likely to start challenging the current kind of top four. Um, But yeah, we are in a very good position and should not be losing it from there. So then maybe you can start focusing a bit more on these cops and see how it all goes. But yeah, I constantly have this worry. If we go for... fighting on all four fronts that it'll all kind of come crashing down at some point because we won't be able to deal with it all um but yeah at the moment we are doing so yeah we'll roll on from there what's what's great uh, as well is that in this not 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 anywhere near a running but under Rolly and stuff i mean he was playing a lot of the same players and we just started looking tired i remember at the end of that mm. post-covid a, mm. a part of the season was so strange. He was just sort of playing the first same team, and we we came out of the blocks with a sort of obviously had that sort of unlucky draw against Spurs, and then we were just putting teams away and playing quite fantastic football, and then they just all look knackered. And what's great is we've got we've got a game. I think now we've got a game every four hours. I think that's currently what it is. <laughs> but but as you said, with the sort of last last 10, 15 minutes with ten players, I mean they were well energetic and well up for it, and so you just sort of. It's that belief that Ten Hag's instilling in me as a fan that why not? Why can't we? Why can't we just go and win these games against sort of weaker opposition and and sort of push for, you know, if not a, if not a league title, but you know, keep up with our, the Arsenal's and the Cities and and win League Cups, FA Cups, and Europa Leagues because they just don't look tired now, which is is great. And even at the even in this season, I think towards going towards the World Cup when Ronaldo was still sort of about in that Fulham game, we looked a bit leggy and stuff and. And I just think I think I think the winning and the momentum that they talk about in football is starting to happen at Old Trafford, and it is so exciting to see. I mean, thirteen wins on a bounce doesn't come from nothing, and they just believe that they can win these games. They're up for them, and as a fan, it's just the best thing to watch. All right, so it's official. Ali says we're going for the quadruple. Uh, we're going to win all four <laughs> and see where it goes from there. <laughs> uh, the official quadruple. No, no, it is just exciting the at the moment. That yeah, we keep the real on. quadruple. Yeah. <laughs> And you'll come in the Champions uh, yeah. League. You go straight to the last 16. It's easy. <laughs> no one, no one's playing Barcelona in the Champions League. That's all I'm saying. Damn right. It's all about the Europa League nowadays. That's where the big teams are. Uh, but yeah, look, thank you very much for joining us, Ali. Uh, it's great to hear your views over there. I'm sure we'll try and get you back on the podcast to see how we've rolled on in this season later on. 
Uh, and yeah, we will post out on our socials about the old gigs over there. So yeah, if you're going out to Barcelona, do try and find Ali's gig the night before or the day of the match. Uh, and yeah, look, fingers crossed that we can deal with this, uh, what do we call it? The, the Fredits uh, can deal with our upcoming matches. And then yeah, we'll be back for those Barcelona games. Uh, that is it from us for now. And we will see you back next week. Good night from me. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening to United Hour. Remember to follow us on Twitter and on Instagram at United underscore Hour. Please take the time to leave a five-star review on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. United Hour is brought to you by the Sports Social Network and our theme song is by Ancient Feelings. To get in touch, please email unitedhour at gmail.com. Sports Social Podcast Network.